how do those who help help themselves? How many of you who lead nonprofits heard this during your interview? We really need someone who can do it all. I see a lot of virtual hands. Now, how many of you heard that phrase and took the job anyway? Still a lot of hands. I know who you are. I've been you. I kind of still am. I worked way too hard. I feel like a lot is riding on my success, and I know you get that. And for board leaders, you didn't really get that you were signing up for a second full-time job, did you? So today I want to talk to listeners who feel overwhelmed, who never feel like they're doing enough, whose stress levels through the roof. I want to talk to people whose email inboxes are so full that they, they just can't, they can't even. I'm thinking that just might be you. It's time to get real about the doing it all thing, the damage it does, direct and collateral, and some things to consider as you grapple with how to build a budget, find board members, chase donors, conduct performance reviews, write the speech for the gala, get home in time for the parent-teacher conference, and take your aging mother for cataract surgery. Two quick promises before we begin, so that I know you'll keep listening. I won't say the words, you should, and I won't use the words, self-care. We've got a lot to talk about. Welcome to Nonprofits Are Messy. Not enough money, too many cooks, and abundance of passion. Leading nonprofits isn't easy. Joan Gary, author, blogger, and founder of the Nonprofit Leadership Lab gets it. She is here to help. About six months into my gig as the executive director of GLAD, I decided I needed a therapist. I'm not sure how I made the time, but I did. First session, the therapist asked that simple and yet fully loaded question, so why are you here? Okay, well, I really like to solve problems and help people, I said. My whole life I've been a helper. Every time I'm in New York City, complete strangers walk up to me and ask me for directions. I, I, I feel like I have some kind of banner that only folks in need see that says, hey, ask her. She'll be game to lend you a hand. I need to be clear. There is a ton about this that is very rewarding for me and makes me feel really good. Anyway, so I got this new job, and I believe I have finally gone overboard. I feel like I have now taken on the care of every gay person in America. Can you help me? Now, it turns out that the therapist was gay, and she started by thanking me for everything I was doing. I really didn't find that very helpful, and now I felt like I needed to help her too. But I did get over it, and she was awesome and super helpful to me. All right, so why does this matter? Why is it important that you contend with the fact that you just left a movie theater to spend quality time with your kid and you answered emails and you can tell me that it was only during the previews, but I don't believe you. So why does this all matter? I've got one story and one song. Here's the story. There's a nonprofit executive director. She loves her work. She goes early. She stays late. Her husband picks up the kids from school, makes dinner, gets them ready for bed. The executive director gets home just in time to read stories. Then some fridge grazing, a glass of wine, and then out cold. This goes on for a while, too long. Then she finds out that her husband is having an affair. Then she does what she should have done the year before. She relinquishes more control of absolutely everything to staff. The ED, with the wake-up call of her life, makes a dramatic shift in how she thinks about work. She focuses on her family, puts things back together again, and guess what? During that intense time in her family life, the work of the organization did not suffer, not one little bit. Is that story true? You tell me. What kind of variations on this story are part of your narrative? Okay, that's the story. Here's the song. So I love musical theater. 
No greater composer lyricist in the 20th century than Stephen Sondheim, if you ask me. Try these lyrics from Into the Woods. Careful the things you say, children will listen. Careful the things you do, children will see and learn. Children may not obey, but children will listen. Children will look to you for which way to turn, to learn what to be. Sometimes during speaking gigs, I use these lyrics when I'm looking to remind folks why they lead nonprofits and that the world sees you, admires you, that they follow you, they learn from you, that your work lifts them up and reminds them that there are good people in this world. But let's look at the lyrics from another angle, shall we? You are a leader. People watch how you lead. They see, they learn. And so when you find yourself with a staff member who's sick a lot or is staying at the office way too late or just, just looks like you can put a fork in her because she's done, remember, people watch how you lead. They see, they learn. Yeah, I could go on, but I think you get the point. So let's talk for a few minutes about how to approach this pickle you're in, the one that makes you feel like there's just no way out. I believe it can be better. I'm gonna offer three ideas that honor the correlation between self-care and time management, and then three remedies that are a bit more conceptual, but I think they might, they might help. I hope they do. So here's the time management ideas, three of them. Number one, let's talk about managing your calendar versus the calendar managing you. How about if you're a parent that you put all the school dates on your calendar as soon as you get the calendar over the summer? Lock them in. Parent-teacher conferences, all of those things, lock them in early so they don't have to catch you by surprise. And actually, they don't. The next idea I have that should be true, by the way, of Jewish holidays. Any things that are not surprises should be on your calendar as soon as you know about them. Idea number two in managing your calendar versus the calendar managing you is look a month out. I recommend this to my clients all the time. On the 15th of the month, look at the calendar for the following month. Who's on it? Who's not? Do you have coffees set with varying board members or phone calls to check in? How about donors? How about a session with your leadership team on strategy? If those things are not planned ahead, the real estate will disappear. I talk a lot about real estate on my calendar here at my office, so I know from whence I speak. The third idea for time management is a really good one, and it is not mine. It came from the Harvard Business Review. It is called The Untouchable Day. I've included a link below this podcast so you can read the article and see how it works. You're going, you're going to roll your eyes, but I'm asking you to stay with me. You shut off your electronics for a full day, not by surprise, but by design and planned ahead. You use that for thinking, for writing, for planning, for getting out in front. My friend Kim Friedman, who runs New Garden Friends School in Greensboro, North Carolina, said she tried it, and it was enormously helpful. And a former client, Erin Robinson, she told me that taking an untouchable day made the rest of her week completely different. 
So that's number one. Manage your calendar or the calendar will manage you. Number two, this is another tactic for time management. I call it, no, actually, you can't do it all. Perhaps a more memorable name for it would be the Friday morning huddle. This is a meeting that happens with only one attendee. It's a you. You create a list. It happens on a Friday morning. It is the essential things, not tasks, but the essential things that must be accomplished in the following week. What I say is, if I don't get to these things by next Friday, I'm not doing my job. I'm not talking about tactical things, follow up on donor ask. I'm talking about the bigger things. Make a big decision about special event consultant. You keep those five to six to seven things on your desk. I like a post-it on your laptop. I'm old-fashioned that way. Judge every activity over the course of the week based on their relationship to that list. And then next Friday, when you have that meeting with yourself, see how you did. How'd you do? And then create a new list. Maybe there'll be some older items on it, but there should be some brand new ones. The third time management suggestion that might help you take better care of yourself is called, why me? Use this question as a litmus test. Why was I copied? Why was I copied on that email? Am I the right person to deal with this? If I was out sick for the next month, how would this issue get resolved? If you take a week and look at your email through this lens, I guarantee you, you're going to make different choices. And by the way, if it's not on your Friday morning huddle list, you might just say that word that is nearly impossible for nonprofit leaders to say, no. There's also a book that my business manager introduced me to. It's not called Pass the Monkey, but we'll put the link in under the podcast. Make sure that your staff is not handing you their problems to solve. Problems being monkeys in this case. Don't take the monkeys. Don't pass them, don't take them. That's how your staff builds autonomy and independence. So there are three recommendations and you'll see that they're about using your time well. Because I'm more and more convinced that until you do that, you won't be able to see clear to making time for you. So those are those three things. And I now want to offer you three conceptual remedies. They're a little, kind of a little bit different. Actually, they're quite different. They're not about your calendar. They're not about um, your tasks. They're about thinking about your work. So here's number one. What would Kermit the Frog do? Okay, so if you haven't read my book, you think that I am completely mad, right? One of the chapters in my book, I explore what it takes to be a great nonprofit leader, and I do it through the lens of looking at superheroes. Would Superman make a great nonprofit leader? Mm-mm. Takes too much on. Would Spider-Man? Mm. I don't know. Maybe a little insecure. I go through a whole bunch of them, and I land on the characteristics that seem best suited for nonprofit leadership, and I find them in Kermit the Frog. 
Kermit builds a diverse village. He cares about what they think. He inspires them to do their best work. He deals with high maintenance people or pigs without taking it personally and with generally very good humor. And old Kermit, sometimes he just sits on a log and sings. So you wanna think about self-care and good leadership? Ask yourself, what would Kermit the Frog do? Number two, this is important. Surround yourself with people who will make you laugh. My oldest and dearest friend uh, <laughs> bought me this bag to lug stuff around in. It says simply three words, I can't even. I say these words often, definitely when I read the paper in the morning, often when one of my three grown kids have gotten themselves into something they should be able to just get out of themselves. And I say them sometimes when I hear about the challenges nonprofit leaders face. I see the bag, it makes me laugh. My work life has changed immeasurably since I hired a woman named Cindy Pereira. Not just because she's a five-star employee, but because she is hilarious. In the last year, we have bounced and fallen off of exercise balls that are supposedly good for your posture and quite regularly behaved as if we were eight. It has been very, very good for my soul. If you don't happen to have a Cindy Pereira, poor you, try going to Amazon and search up these words, funny sound effects. Thanks to my colleague, Maria Trevecco, I learned about these, and I buy them now for all my clients. For the low, low price of $12, you can make yourself laugh after a tough meeting with your executive director or a donor meeting that did not go your way. Lastly, I know I am very, very lucky to have found my wife 37 years ago, and equally lucky that for some unexplicable reason that is beyond my comprehension, she still laughs at most of my jokes. And actually, she often laughs at me, and that's important too. I can't take myself too seriously. There's a lesson in that for you too. So number one, what would Kermit do? Number two, surround yourself with people who will make you laugh. And number three, find yourself community. These are not jobs you can do all by yourself. I was talking to a client the other day who recently stepped into leadership and she said, I did not realize these jobs were so lonely. They are, they can be, because who can you talk to? It's hard. I hear stories from prospective clients about their messy nonprofits. They tell me the stories and then they say, have you ever heard anything like that before? <laughs> uh, yes but I'm usually extremely nice about it. But imagine if there was a community of people who were sharing their stories and they were an awful lot like your stories. Wouldn't that make you feel better? It would. And you'd learn about their problems and maybe occasionally you'd help them. This was for me the value of an executive director group that I joined when I was the executive director at GLAD. There were about 15 of us. Some people I knew well, other people not so much at all. But we shared best practices. We talked about prospective board members. We talked about a lot of things. We talked about nonprofit sector trends. 
Yeah, maybe we complained a little bit about our staff or our board. But in that, what we realized was that we were not alone, that the problems that we had were universal in many, many, many ways. And I would leave those ED group meetings feeling like a weight had been lifted off my shoulders, feeling like I could call somebody outside of the group if I had a problem, that they were there, some of them had been in their jobs a lot longer than me and could help me untangle a knot that was brand new for me. This community helped me dig an organization out of a ditch, helped me on my really dark days. And then years later, I was able to help other people on their dark days. This notion of community to me is central to the ability of a nonprofit executive director, even board chairs, to survive and actually thrive. So those are my three things. Ask yourself, what would Kermit do? Surround yourself with people that make you laugh, things that make you laugh. You cannot take this work so seriously or your head will explode. And find yourself a community. So those are my three conceptual things. I just want to remind you about the three time management things that I spoke about. I think you'll find those to be really helpful. First, really think about managing your calendar versus having your calendar manage you. Secondly, think about setting some time aside just for you to think about every Friday morning to think about your priorities for the coming week. Not in the weeds and not in the sky, but somewhere in between. And keep those five to seven things close by and make sure that the activities that you engage in during the week are measured against those priorities. And third, this is a good one. Look at your emails for a week and ask this question. Why me? Why was I copied on it? Why do I have to decide? If I was gone for a month, how would this issue get resolved? Who can I delegate this to? Is someone trying to pass me a problem to solve when they should in fact be coming to me with a proposed solution? If you start to do that, I guarantee you two things. You're gonna get less email and your staff is gonna appreciate the clarity of decision-making and the fact that you are giving them, that you are trusting them to come up with solutions to the knots that need to be untangled. I really want to be Kermit the Frog. I'm not always Kermit the Frog. I wanna manage my calendar well, but everyone on my team will tell you I don't do it very well. I make lists, I try my best, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Should I tell you that I'm recording this podcast on a Sunday afternoon when I could be strolling through the park with my wife and my dog? Yeah, I gotta be honest, that's true. But I strive for this. And if you don't strive for it, it is not going to happen. And you are gonna burn out and you're gonna take your staff with you. It's really that simple. So those are my thoughts. You can't do it all, even though the search committee said that they needed somebody who could. You can't. You've got to make a concerted effort to take good care of yourself.
I think there's a direct correlation with time management. And I think that there is a behavior and a mindset that can make a difference. As for me, I've headed back to the gym and I've reignited my piano lessons. I think those things are going to help me. Maybe you have a list like that too. I hope these ramblings today have been helpful. And I hope that you'll think about sharing these ideas or sharing this podcast with a fellow nonprofit leader who you think is at wit's end, which is probably most nonprofit leaders you know. Share it with your colleagues in your community. Share it around and, and, and maybe my answers are, are fine and maybe they're great, but I bet you have them too. And maybe you can use this podcast as an opportunity to start a conversation that will lead you in the direction of taking better care of yourself. Before I leave you, and maybe you're actually on the elliptical machine at the gym, I'd be really happy to think about that. Before I leave you, I wanted to just remind you, a couple times a year we offer a free video workshop. People find it super helpful. It's called How to Build a Thriving Nonprofit. We talk about the components of a thriving nonprofit. We talk about leadership. We talk about uh, a whole host of things that people find really super valuable. One of the most important things that we talk about in this video is the importance of surrounding yourself with what I call building a village, which is something I talked about earlier. Our workshop opens on October 16th. The videos are online. You can watch them at your leisure during the workshop period, which will run until close to the end of October. You'll get emails letting you know when each video is available. And again, you can watch it at your leisure throughout the period. You don't have to worry about missing it, but it's only going to be available for a couple of weeks. You can sign up at thrivingnonprofit.org. It's a little something that we created that we think can help you and your board chair, your executive director, all of you in leadership positions, think about what a thriving nonprofit looks like so you can point yourselves in that direction. You'll be able to share the video, watch it with your staff or your board. I think it'll be really helpful for you. So again, you can sign up for the workshop at thrivingnonprofit.org. So until next time, as always, Thank you for the work that you do. Um, you inspire so many people every day because people watch, they see, they learn, they listen, and they know that thanks to you, there really are good, fine people in the world trying to make it better in ways large and small. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you next time. Joan Gary's obsession with supporting your work takes many forms. Subscribe to her blog at JoanGary.com, reaching over 100,000 visitors monthly from over 170 countries. Explore the Nonprofit Leadership Lab, the best online resource for board and staff leaders of small nonprofits at NonprofitLeadershipLab.com. Join 15,000 kindred spirits on Facebook at Thriving Nonprofit with Joan Gary.